On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Online, I talk with Emma Landau from Anchor and Fox Footwear. We talk about what she's doing to combat Instagram's algorithm. I think that you guys are going to get a ton out of this. Do you feel frustrated trying to scale your business online? Do you wish that there was an easier way? Imagine if you had a proven roadmap to take your online marketing from costing you to making you money. That's why we've created the Profitable E-Commerce Blueprint. We walk you through the same process that we use to run marketing campaigns online at scale for our clients. This blueprint isn't for brand new businesses without market proof. It isn't for businesses without long-term goals. This is for businesses who want to scale up their paid advertising and need a roadmap to profitability. If you want to save yourself the time, the money, and the energy, and learn from people who have already done it, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash blueprint and sign up today. Now for today's episode. Emma Landau, really great to have you on the podcast. Welcome here. Thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah. So Emma's from Anchor and Fox. Uh, Emma, can, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes. Yeah, so Anchor and Fox is a children's footwear brand. Uh, we started about three years ago and essentially our designs are all kind of European inspired and we only use genuine leathers and materials. Um, and we try to sort of produce them at a more affordable mid-range price point. Okay. Awesome. Um, how did you guys get started? Like, was there like a particular need that you saw in the marketplace? Yes. Yeah, so there's not really any brands in Australia um, that do what we do. Uh, most of the European styles are imported and they're super expensive. And especially for kids' shoes, when they grow out of them so quickly or they're tough on their shoes, it just kind of didn't make sense to spend $150 on a pair that would kind of, you know, be ruined in yeah. six months. So um, I set out to kind of fill that space and create what wasn't there. Cool. Cool. That's awesome. And are you selling just within Australia or if you guys expanded beyond? No. So we're in um, six or seven countries uh, in, in terms of stockists. Yeah. Um, so we've got where we're in stores um, and we hold, we sell retail all over the world. Okay. Amazing. How is the, like, how are you managing the shipping as far as like, um, sending all I, of I, So we use a shipping courier. Um, okay. We also use Australia Post, but I mainly use a courier. Um, in general, we found it to be okay, but Australia being literally on the other end of the world, uh, <laughs> shipping prices are just exorbitant. Um, but we've, we've managed to sort of put together a flat rate for customers. So it doesn't matter how many pairs of shoes you order. It's the same rate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and yeah, so we've made a cheaper rate for our New Zealand customers as well. Cause they're sort of right next to us. Um, but yeah, it's, it's ridiculous how much it costs to ship things. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, yeah. we complain about it in Canada where, where I am, like what the, you know, kind of shipping rates are comparatively to, you know, our American neighbors. Yeah. I can actually, from, from my office right here, I can actually see right out into America. But uh, yeah. that, for us, it's like three to four times the, the shipping rates for us to, to ship stuff within Canada. Yeah. Comparatively, it's actually cheaper for us to ship something into the States. <laughs> so, oh, really? Just, yeah. yeah. Ridiculous how expensive it can be. And obviously we have to absorb a lot of that cost. Um, 
it's less so our flat rate shipping is $20 okay. Australian, which is yeah. like 15 us, I think. Okay. Um, but it can cost us 40 to send. Um, wow. That's great. Yeah. It's wow. So you massive. just have to bake that, bake that into your costs then. Hey. Yeah. So, um, depending on our local orders. So our local shipping rate is $10. Yeah. Um, and depending on how close they are to us, it can cost us anywhere from seven to 15 to send to them. So I kind of hope that <laughs> it balances out yeah, in that yeah, way yeah, yeah, that yeah. We, on the few orders that it costs us $7, you know, it kind of makes up for that cost difference, but it's just, yeah, you could just can't charge customers $40, even though that's what it's costing yes, us. Yes, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's definitely a struggle in terms of shipping it out in that. Yeah. For sure. Really I, I, I feel like that's probably a big struggle of lots of the people who listen to this show. It's lots of physical product owners and people who are shipping and like, it's just a, it's a really hard thing to, to do because you can't charge people your full cost at, at all. Yeah. Times, right. It's yeah. And I, I feel like customers don't necessarily always understand that, especially when they're seeing a product that is essentially from a competitor, but, they're not providing the exact same product or they're not shipping from the same place. Yeah. Um, and therefore your costs don't line up. And yeah, those are kind of overheads that a business has to absorb that the customer doesn't really see um, that are built into our price points. Totally. Yeah. Uh, recently we talked with, you know, the brand from Zion. Yep. Um, so we, we recently talked with them on the podcast and they were talking about actually putting a warehouse into the States or shipping out of the States Yes. just to make it that much easier and, and cheaper to build a yeah. ship. I'm sure there's got to be a tipping point where that's actually worthwhile. Yeah. So we have um, a distributor in China at the moment um, and our products are made in China, then shipped here and then shipped back to China. Um, so it's not really like the wholesaler, the distributor, sorry, she's actually based in Australia, but she sends back to China. Okay. Um, so for me, it was kind of like, I don't really care where you're sending it because I'm shipping it to another local state. I'm shipping it just to New South Wales. Yeah. Um, but for our Chinese customers, um, the wholesalers were contacting me and I was like, oh, we've got a distributor in China. And then I was like, but she's shipping from Australia. And they were like, if you're going to have a Chinese distributor, she really needs to be shipping from a Chinese warehouse to reduce those costs. So that's something that we're looking into now because we're... Um, trying to source a US distributor okay, and a Canadian gotcha. distributor. Yeah. Um, and the shipping prices are just beyond ridiculous. It can cost um, $250 to send 30 pairs. So it's just, Crazy. it's, it's not even the weight. It's the, the size of the boxes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So we're just um, sort of looking into finding something there and maybe creating a base there um, to be able to provide cheaper for our, us and canadian customers yeah that totally makes sense um at what point did you know that this company of yours was going to grow um i uh, i didn't really um i don't think there was ever like a real kind of tipping point when i started it nobody really wanted me to start it nobody thought it was a good idea i had an 18 month old baby at the time um and i was kind of, I was already back at work. I was working in marketing. Um, okay. and I was completely bouncing off the walls after I had my first baby. I was like, I got to get out. I got to get to work. Like I couldn't, 
stay inside. I was just like, I really needed to get back out and I, I wanted to start something on the side. Um, and I really saw that there was a need for this. I spoke to my parents about it. My dad works in property and um, investing. Yeah. Um, so not the retail area at all, but I would have needed them to invest to start the business. Yeah. Um, and I spoke to them about it and they were like, oh, you know, like it was kind of at the time where a lot of businesses, which is still happening, were closing down massive businesses like Pumpkin okay. Patch. I don't know if you have it in the, in the US. No, but, I don't think that's a brand that we have here. No. Right. So Pumpkin Patch was like a pretty massive Australian brand, which went into administration like around that time. Um, and there were a lot, there were a lot of similar brands that were doing the same thing. Um, you, you guys say my, things so nicely, by the way. Uh, they they go into administration like bankruptcy, right? Yeah, <laughs> <The> yeah. <receivership. laughs> they, they, yeah, they went bankrupt. Um, so they yeah they basically shut down. They were massive. Like everybody wore pumpkin patch. Okay, um, wow, okay. It was like a kids brand, and they yeah. just they they just went bust. Um, and this was like right at the time when I was like wanting to start this business, and my dad was like, "It's really not a good idea. Like retail's not doing well, and you know people aren't buying." Um, and I was like, okay, like maybe I'll just think about it. And he was like, I know you, you're going to have samples here in six weeks. And I did. Um, I worked out with manufacturers. I got my samples, they were here. And then I bought my parents over and I sat them down and I gave them the samples. And I was like, you can't buy this here. And I could do it and it could be really good. And my dad still didn't think it was a good idea, but my mom did. And, um, she got my dad on side and they invested and we broke even, and we made, as in we, we got back our investment in our first season. No which was way. Like, Good for yeah, you which guys. Was, That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but even from then, it was like a really hard slog. Um, we had a lot of issues with competitors copying designs or producing something similar, but not having to pay sampling costs or testing things in the yeah. market like we yeah. did, um, which is still an issue. But I think that um, we have such loyal customers and we've really kind of grown in that way um, that we're, we're definitely more stable, but it's always a, it's, it's always a bit of a slog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about um, on, online marketing here. Uh, yeah. What's, what's working for you guys right now? Um, at the moment, um, we're finding Instagram to be really difficult. I don't know if other businesses have mentioned that to yes. you, but when yes. When we first started, Instagram didn't have the whole algorithm change and most businesses who kind of started on Instagram were building 50, 60,000 followers in 12 months. Yeah. Um, and now it's just like impossible to reach people. Um, we did a huge giveaway um, maybe a year ago now with Kylie Jenner. We did it through an agency oh, wow. and yeah, so we built up a massive following in that way, but it really kind of limited our reach. Um, so a lot of the followers dropped off after the giveaway, which is normal. And we're yeah. kind of stagnated now where we are. Um, and it's just so hard to reach people. I find that you have to spend so much more time on the app actively engaging with people to get them to see your posts. Um, so we've started looking into things like Facebook ads, which a lot of people are finding more successful than Instagram. Um, we're doing email marketing now. Yeah. Um, we've created our own Facebook VIP group to awesome. um, engage directly with our consumers. Um, and yeah, just working with influencers that are very specific to your niche. 
and who have a really engaged following. That's the most important thing, not to just look at their follow account and say, oh, I've got 100,000 followers. Like, look at how many people are actually engaging on their posts. Yes, and then make sure that they're not paying for that either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we get, just to, to echo what you're saying, we uh, get a lot of people coming to us who are super frustrated with Instagram's algorithm and the fact that like they, they have this massive reach. Like some of our clients, though, though, you know, who have come to us, they have like, you know, two to 300,000 followers. And, and yeah. before they made all of their sales off that, they didn't have to pay for any kind of marketing. Yeah. And then now there's like no reach. I mean, even with, with some of like one of our brands, our, our baby brand, you know, we, we don't have a massive following 50,000, but it's like, you know, we're maybe reaching 5,000 people on yeah. a post so, and then yeah. and engagement is just super down. So that's where yeah. paid ads come in, in, in my opinion, like, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely a struggle. And I find it's also like random things that will explode on Instagram that I'm like, why did that do so well? And this other post didn't, um, for example, we have a color palette that we've posted twice now. Um, it's literally a photo with six colored dots um, okay. that have a name like blush and whatever. Um, and we posted it and we were like, this is our color inspiration for our SS20 season. And um, this is, you know, the palettes that we've used. And how do you think um, winter is going to look? That kind of like, but not a product, not a like, not an exciting photo. Yeah. And both times that post has reached over a hundred thousand people. And I'm like, why? why? What are they doing? <laughs> why are you looking at this post? Like, obviously you want your post to get that reach, but I find that it doesn't necessarily translate into my next post. Yes. No. So even no. though people have engaged and interacted with that post, the next post could still reach 10,000. Like, yeah. why? <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a struggle. I'm finding it harder to predict what will be um, successful on Instagram and what won't. Um, we're focusing a lot more on engagement, um, obviously good content, but um, really focusing on like responding to all of your comments and um, going to your followers and send comment on their photos and that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know if it's big in the US, but in Australia, especially in the kidswear industry, there's a lot of people who are brand reps who create profiles for their children to interact with other brands. Yeah. yeah. So they'll buy products from brands and then hope that the brand will repost it and that kind of thing. And I find that those accounts are always the biggest supporters of small businesses, not necessarily the massive accounts. They're not always going to be your customer, but these yeah. smaller accounts, they'll, they'll come back. So yeah, but it's, it's a lot of time on the app. <laughs> yes. Yes, totally. Yeah. And it's either, it's, it's kind of a trade off, right? It's either spend the money to reach the people or, or reach them using like your time basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, or both or do, or just do both and, and, and scale that way. Yeah. Um, if, if you could go back to when you first started, what would you do differently? We'll get right back to the episode, but first, do you feel frustrated trying to scale your business online? Do you wish that there was an easier way? Imagine if you had a proven roadmap to take your online marketing from costing you to making you money. That's why we've created the Profitable E-Commerce Blueprint. You can find out more at mindfulmarketing.co slash blueprint. Now, back to today's episode. Um, I think that I probably wouldn't 
focus so much on what other people were doing. I think when we first started, I, because we were kind of new to the space, um, I was kind of taking direction from other brands that I was like, well, if that worked for them, then that will work for me. Like brands that I kind of thought were not necessarily in exactly the same space, but kind of in the same space. Um, and I was so nervous that the brand wouldn't do well, that I was kind of, following other people's leads. And I think that it didn't necessarily work well for us at the beginning, um, yeah. even with our designs. So our first season, we released um, three designs. Two designs were really specific to our brand and really in line with what we were hoping to do in the future. And the third design was a very simple Oxford kind of shoe, which was really popular at the time, but wasn't really anything exciting. Okay. Um, but when I launched, I thought, you know what, if none of the other shoes sell, but just the Oxford sell, I'll make my money back and I could just close it down and be like, okay, it was a good idea, but it didn't work. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and the Oxford sold took me three seasons to sell them all off and the other two sold out right away. Wow. Um, yeah. And that was when I kind of looked at it and I was like, okay, trust your gut you know you've got a product, you know it's something that people want that's missing. Don't follow what other people are doing. Stick to your niche, stick to what you think is going to work for your brand. And I think that's worked really well for us now. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. What advice would you give to somebody just starting out? Um, probably kind of along those lines. Trust your gut. Uh, if, if people are telling you that, you know, it's not necessarily a good idea or, um, the, a lot of things that people said to me at the time were like, if it's not a product on the market now, don't you have to ask yourself why? Like, why has nobody started this kind of brand? And I was like, well, maybe nobody started it because nobody thought of it or nobody could do it or nobody wanted to do it. Um, but I think that if you really think that you've got a product that is missing and something that you could do well, um, it needs to be something that you're passionate about, but definitely drive it and do it and it's, it's worth it. It's yeah. worth it because you end up doing what you love. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's so great. Uh, here's our, this is our classic question that we ask every single person. Uh, okay. what is your secret to scaling? Um, I would say scale slowly. Um, mm -hmm. when I started, I was in such a rush to do everything. I was like, we're going to get into every department store. We're going to be so massive, going to be the biggest brand. And it's actually really hard to jump from one level to the next. So we've been really lucky that we've, we started out in my dining room. We yeah. moved to my parents' attic. Um, and then we got an office space in a shared office, which um, my dad works in the same building. So we've oh, got awesome. a little office space there and we're now moving and building our own custom offices inside another shared workspace. Um, but it's been a constant um, sort of question where at what point is it worth either hiring somebody new or getting our own office space and paying the rent and taking that off your bottom line. Um, expenses and things like that are always something that come up. There's always an opportunity to spend money into your business. Yes. Um, and yes. it's just a question of being smart about it and seeing where's the best place to invest your money right now. Totally. I uh, had the pleasure of interviewing Mike Michalowicz. I don't know if you know who he is. He wrote Profit First. Okay. Um, so, and he talks, he's all about like just, you know, having your expenses as low as possible, 
right? Yeah. Um, so that you don't like, that's the way that you're able to scale is by keeping those expenses down and not, you know, having some fancy office or, yeah. having, you know, all of those, yeah. those kinds of things that really you, you don't have to have. Yeah. Right? And it's, it's so easy to like get caught up in something and say, that sounds really good. And it's going to cost you 15,000. And you're like, well, one second, I could either do that or I could like, for example, I had someone approach me as a coach um, for businesses for wholesale. And I spoke to her quite seriously about it and I really considered it and she was going to cost around 15,000. Yeah. Um, and I just, we're already doing wholesale. Um, we would obviously like to increase our wholesale, but it was a question of, am I spending $15,000 there or am I going to go and do a trade show? Or am I going to travel? We just um, came back from China, did yeah. a massive trip over there to visit our suppliers and our manufacturers, which I think was super beneficial to the brand and to creating a relationship with our suppliers, um, bringing back new concepts and just ensuring quality control. And I think that where you're investing your money is it's so difficult at the beginning to decide there's always an opportunity that pops up and there's always an influencer that you can work with or a campaign that you can be a part of. And it's just, there's always going to be something. And I think that's something that I had to learn. Um, I was always excited to jump into something and I was always like, it's not going to happen again, but it does. If you miss this one, there'll be another one and yeah. you'll have another opportunity and just be careful about where you're investing and be smart with your brand. Yeah. Oh, that's great advice. Yeah. Thanks. This is, this is awesome. You gave some great advice. Uh, we're going to move on to our lightning round here. Um, okay. What is your favorite tool or app right now? Um, Canva. Oh, okay. Awesome. I have zero. Yeah. So I've zero experience in graphic design and I still have zero experience, but I yeah. feel more confident. <laughs> yeah. Canva's Canva's awesome. I, I use Canva all the time for non things that I don't send to my designer. It's great. Yeah. Super yeah. user-friendly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite podcast? Um, so I don't have that much time <laughs> to listen to <laughs> <No>. podcasts or <laughs> read books, but, um, there is a podcast, the Mums with Hustle podcast, okay. um, and they're a massive Facebook group in Australia for, um, mums or women in business. And cool. they have a podcast, um, which focuses on all different topics across business and marketing and everything cool. to do with running your business. That's always helpful. Awesome. Mums with Hustle. Sounds great. Uh, is there a founder that you look up to? Oh, <laughs> um, I don't know about looking up to a particular founder in business that's in my area, but I think that I always kind of follow the lead of my dad, which is why when he oh. didn't kind of support the, not support, but he didn't think it was a good idea at the beginning. Um, I kind of, I kind of went with that, and now he's my biggest supporter. He's in my office every day, and he's so excited to see next season. Um, so I don't know if I would call him a founder, but maybe like a mentor in that way. Oh, that's great. That's good. I've never had somebody say that. Say their dad. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's really good. He just came with me to China, and he, yeah, he's he's on board. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for being on. Where can people find more about you? Um, so you can follow us on Instagram. We're yep. at anchor and Fox. 
um, or our Facebook page. We've got a VIP page, Anchor and Fox VIP. Those, those are all the updates for new seasons or samples and things like that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I really, really appreciate your time. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Secrets to Scaling Online. If you're loving what you're hearing, subscribe to our podcast and share this with a friend. No, seriously, share it with a friend. No, if you don't, I'm going to find you and I'm going to make you profitable. Got it? No, seriously, 